been tracking through Genesis 12, 13, 14, 16, we've been hearing about the life of Abram, and we've been hearing one thing that he's going to be able to receive. Generations after generations, descendants after descendants. But there's one thing missing in this equation, and Abram knows exactly what it is. He doesn't yet have a son. And today, what we're going to be seeing in Genesis 17 is we're going to be seeing what happens when you are driven to your knees, what happens when you are forced to the breaking point, and how you react to that. So to everyone here in the church, I'd like you guys to open up in your bulletins to page 10. And for those on Zoom, open up your Bibles, please, to Genesis 17. We'll read the first nine verses. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to I, God Almighty, walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Then I will make my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Abram fell face down. And God said to him, as for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. This is the word of the Lord. My brothers and sisters in Christ, I've only felt this way, like described in this text, once in my life, face down, nose in the dirt, flung out completely to all sides like Abraham was. I got a text from my mother. It said, dad's going to the hospital. He doesn't feel so. Something's wrong with his heart. Uh-oh. That can make your heart drop. And when you live six, seven, eight hours away from your parents, and the only way that you can hear about the situation is from vague and inconsistent and staggered texts, you start to overthink and overanalyze everything. You start going to sites like WebMD, and suddenly you're becoming an expert in all of the medical situations that could come from going to the hospital for heart problems. You read that there could be some really serious things that happen after this. But at some point, at the end of the day, after you've done all the searching, done all this research, done all of this hoping, the only thing that I could do at the end of the day was wait and hope. Hope to hear something, hope to hear any answer at all. And all you can do is wait and hope for the best. And when you're pushed to the breaking point like Abram is in our text, there's not a lot of places that you can go. And when you're pushed to the breaking point, all you want is an answer. All you want is some sort of answer to hear anything at all from the people that, that you trust. And what Abram shows us today in our text is really proper posture for receiving life-changing news when you're pushed to the breaking point. As we wait, as we hear, and as we hope. Because for Abram, it's been a long time. We've heard that Abram has defeated kings. He's gained all of this wealth, and he was told to count all of the stars in the sky, and he was told that someday all of this was going to be his. But that was 25 years ago. 
Abram is 99 years old in our text. And like a washed up athlete looking at the past and looking at all his glory, all his accomplishments in the past, all he can do is remember who he was when the last time that God had appeared to him. Now, Abram has to wait. If you've stood in line for more than three or four hours at the DMV, or if you've been waiting in a hospital waiting room, it doesn't matter how nice the seats or how nice the surroundings are, and it doesn't matter how short or how nice the updates that come from the doctor are. The only thing you want is an answer to this question. How long is this going to be? When is all of this going to end? Whoever said that waiting is the hardest part in life really wasn't lying. Waiting for a break at work, waiting for a promotion, waiting for people to come, waiting for visitors that you've invited to your house, waiting for marriage, waiting for the perfect opportunity to bring up that slight argument with your wife or with your husband that you know is going to get you a little bit of an advantage at home, waiting for the opportunity to finally give in a little bit on a weekend because it's been a hard week and I deserve a little bit of relief from what I've been going through throughout this whole week. Abram was sick of waiting too. It's been 25 years since God had appeared to him and said anything about his promise. He was anxious to solve his problems. He wanted to get his son. He wanted to go on with this awesome blessing that was coming. So Abram decided that he was going to solve his own problem. And he created his own solution. And the solution he created was the one we heard about last week. One where he mistreated, dehumanized, and violated a woman. That was Abram's solution to his problem, to put his interests in front of anyone else's interests and completely dehumanize and devalue another human being. It's really incredible when you think about it, how dark and how destructive we can be with other human beings, with our words, with our thoughts, and with our actions. It really shouldn't surprise us, but it happens all the time with people outside in the world, but then also even in our own hearts and even in our own minds, how dark and how destructive our thoughts can be against other people. I don't want to have to think about all of the comments that I'd like to take back that I've said to either my parents, people in authority, to my friends. I don't want to think about all of the hurtful things I've said. I don't even want to have to think about the possible repercussions of all the things that I've thought in my mind, but thankfully I was not led to act on. What Satan is really good at doing is he is good at pushing us towards the end, pushing us towards sin and pushing us towards selfish ambitions so that our interests always come before someone else's. And what Satan is especially good at doing, Satan is good at pushing into our minds Thoughts about what happens when we actually do wait for the Lord. He's good at pushing thoughts into our minds that say, Ben, what happens if you actually do wait for the Lord? What happens if you pray? What happens if you say, what happens if you do everything that God has told you to do? What happens if you do everything that vicar and everything that pastor has said that you're supposed to do? But you're still not hearing anything. Satan's really good at pushing into our minds. What what happens if you listen to God? What happens if you do everything you're supposed to do? What happens if you do the right thing, but mom and dad are still getting sick? Satan's good at pushing into our minds. What happens, Ben? What happens when you listen to God, when you listen to pastor, when you listen to the word of God about everything you're supposed to do, 
but you're still getting skipped over for promotions. The rent is still rising. Things are still going wrong in your life. Then what happens when you wait for this God? What happens when you wait for him? You listen to pastor. You listen to everyone else that you're supposed to. But the people you love the most still want to treat you like trash. I think you can feel the tension that Abram feels in this text because you live it every single day too. Living in this world full of sin and corruption and destruction that we live in and walking as we do as Christians, we know that it's exhausting. And really the only thing that we want in our lives to make it a little bit easier, we want guidance. All we want are answers. How should we live in the world? How should we treat our family? How should I do this? And how should I do that? And I recognize pretty well that for me to just say to trust and pray in God, some days and some weeks, that can feel like a real slap in the face, a punch to the stomach, an unwanted comment. The world that we walk through and the world that we navigate every single day is exhausting. It's stressful. There's so many different trials and temptations that we face, probably even on your drive or walk here to church today, that make it hard for us to think that just trusting and praying is what we should do. And all we want are answers. We just want guidance. We want reassurance. For Abram, he wanted reassurance and guidance that, yes, his son's going to come. For us, it's, how can I keep my family intact? Lord, how should I treat these people who aren't treating me very well at work? Lord, I am struggling so much that I am willing to do absolutely anything to hear from you about what I'm supposed to do. Lord, I've only got so long in this world. When is this promise that you are going to look out for me? When is this finally going to come to me? What God is about to do here in this text is something absolutely inconceivable. With a 99-year-old man and a 90, near 90-year-old woman, it's something that sounds completely impossible, but with God, anything is possible. And he is so glad and he is so willing to do it. And in verse two, he tells Abram what to do. He says, Abram, walk before me, be blameless. This isn't an obligation to make yourself blameless, to be worthy, to be able to receive the divine blessing from God. No, what this is, is an encouragement. This is an invitation to say to everyone that I believe in God and that I believe that his unlimited power can do anything that he says he's going to be able to do. And that includes making grandparents into parents once again. And look closely at the text and look at how Abram reacts. It says that he fell face down. In verse 3, it says he fell face down. That's not how a man as prominent as Abram reacts in the world. That's not how someone who has his face on the Mount Rushmore of the heroes of faith, that isn't how someone reacts in the world. When you think about it, falling down, it's a really awkward action, isn't it? Whenever a baby's trying to walk for the first time, they're not trying to fall down. They're not trying to accidentally put everything out there and lose their control. When I trip on something on the sidewalk outside, that's not my intention. It's completely awkward. It's unintentional. We don't want to fall forward. I think that we fall for three reasons. We fall when there's different things 
that are placed in our way, different things that make it harder for us to walk forward. We fall when we're so tired that we can't possibly move anymore. And we fall, we fall when we've lost all movement and we've lost all strength to move forward. And we fall when we have no need. We fall when we try to do too much. We fall when we try and put too much effort into our own solutions and try and put more effort into our own ability to be able to get out of situations that finally we find ourselves in deeper pits than we could have before. So collapse, exhausted and broken down by the weight of sin and exhaustion in the world, Abram falls before his Lord. But inside of all of that brokenness and exhaustion, Abram also founds, finds relief because he's heard from his God. He heard what he needed to hear. He's heard from his Lord, and he had his answer. And as a sinner, Abram can't bear to look at his Lord. But as a believer, he is hanging on every single word. So with his head buried in the dry soil, eyes clenched to try and hold back tears, hands covering his face to hold them up, but also not to be able to look, he hears what he needed to hear from the Lord. And he hears that God had not forgotten about him, that God still had made his promise with him, that God had promised that he was going to be with him, that he was going to give him a son, and that he wanted this for Abraham. It didn't matter that it would take 25 years. His plan was coming to fruition and his plan was going to happen. His plan would be good. And he wanted to do this for Abraham. In a moment when he thought all was lost, God comes and he talks to a broken down sinner. And he knows exactly what to call him. He's not just Abram anymore. In the eyes of God, he's Abraham. He's the father of many nations. His vocation and his goal for the rest of his life is set right in front of him. And God tells him directly to his face what you're to do. What God did here is he came to a sinner who needed to hear God's voice. Abram had his answer. And you hear it too. You hear it here every single Sunday. What you need to hear is what we hear in the gospels, that God sent his son to die for all of our sins on the cross. What we hear is every single Sunday is that God is for us, that he will never leave us, that he will never forsake us. But God has made promises to you that he will be faithful to you until the end. And even if it takes a while to be able to have things come to fruition, God is with you and God is for you. We hear him as we hope to. Hidden inside of the name of Abraham is the gradual unwinding and unwrapping of a gift of descendants and generations and sons after him. From this line of Abraham is going to come a son that will be born in Bethlehem. And his name is Jesus. The covenant that God established with Abraham finds its completion and fruition and fulfillment in Christ Jesus. That God promises that from everlasting to everlasting, from eternity to eternity, he is going to be Abraham's God. And it's the same promise that he's made to you. That from everlasting to everlasting, to eternity up until eternity, he is going to be your God. He's promised to remember you. 
He's promised that he's going to care for you. That he promises that even if you make it to 99 years old, you won't be in the back of his mind. You'll be in the front of it. God has promised to remember you. God comes through for us in moments when we think that all hope is possibly lost. When we're driven to our knees, when we're at points where we don't think that we can keep moving forward, God comes through for us. In situations like years of trying for a baby, years of trying to battle with cancer, years of trying to get over this sin-filled world and sins that come up frequently in our lives, God comes through for us. He comes through and his answers are always good. It's important to remember that the Christian faith isn't like a leaf in the dark. We're not, we're not told to walk through this life blindfolded as if we're just going around and guiding and being guided by something. It isn't a leaf in the dark because we have the sure promises of God. We have the sure promises that we can keep moving forward and that we can keep stepping forward and stepping through into our lives. And we can say with Paul, the same words that he wrote in 1 Timothy, I know who I have believed, believed, and I'm convinced that he is able to guard what I've entrusted to him. And humbled, exhausted, and relieved, we can fall forward before the Lord too. My dad got better. After a couple of hours and a, I think about a day of waiting, I finally got a text back from my mom that said, dad's better, his heartbeat stabilized. I think we can go home. Those were the words that I could hold on to for the next week because I knew that my dad was gonna be all right. That was another prayer answered. Thank you, Lord. There's a bunch of prayers that we send up to the Lord. All of our grumbles and all of our complaints that we feel sometimes don't go out answered in the way that we want. And in the world that we live in, it's tempting to just finally take a knee and not want to take another step forward. But with the sure promises of God and knowing that he is with us, for us, and will never forsake us, we can keep stepping forward. And we can fall down before our Lord in relief and in mercy. Amen.